Today is Thursday, September 14th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 537 features the Boston Globe's Gary Washburn. And I'm Evan Valenti, and today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash Boston. Make a $5 bet. New customers make a $5 bet. Get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. A pretty good deal. Hell of a deal. Hey, everybody, welcome in to Selfish Beat as we sit here in mid-September. That means, of course, training camp rapidly approaching preseason games, even the regular season that's not too, too far away. And uh, But honestly, it's it's the run-up. It's the ramp-up. We've been talking about it for weeks. Not a whole lot has has changed or is new specific to Boston, but we uh, we do have some news in the league that might be relevant to your and our beloved Boston Celtics. We'll dive into all of it. Adam Kaufman, Evan Valenti, and of course... The man of the hour, though we won't go for an hour, Gary Washburn of the Boston Globe. Gary, welcome back. Great to be here. So I, I, I'm oh, wondering, are, are 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 you bored? Like, what have you been up to here? That's that's. Uh, do you just want basketball to start, or are you enjoying your summer and early fall? Uh it's kind of both. I mean, um, I'm I'm enjoying the time off, and but it, it, I know it's going to end soon. But you're looking forward to basketball. I mean, like the World Cup, kind of. Kind of was okay, but the, you know, the game times are so wacky that right. you really just couldn't sit there and watch games. You had to like follow on your app or watch on ESPN plus or whatever. So it wasn't, it wasn't normal, but I'm kind of in, I'm kind of in the middle, uh, right now. I'm looking forward to the season, but, uh, I'm going to treasure the last few weeks off. I was going to ask if you were getting up in the middle of the night to watch any of those games, but that wasn't, uh, that, that wasn't must see TV for you. Uh, some of the games, like I watched the uh, Lithuania game, watched uh, the Germany game, obviously the loss of Germany. But, yeah, like a lot of them I tried to catch here and there. Uh, but, no, I wasn't getting up. And I was in uh, Jamaica for some of the games. So I had to watch either watch on my phone or I couldn't just watch on the app. Like there was no ESPN <laughs> Uh, where I was in terms of it was like ESPN Caribbean. So they were just showing nothing but soccer or cricket, um, things like that. Uh, yeah, it was, you know, Jamaica's not the place for like NBA and NFL and college football, uh, coverage or whatever. So yeah, I missed a lot over the last, over the like the, the, the early part of September and, uh, the late August, uh, in terms of like sp- the sports world. I guess the good thing is, as it relates to the Celtics, you didn't miss anything because when it comes to the FIBA World Cup, the most important thing that Celtics fans care about is just that Chris Tapps Porzingis did not participate, resting that foot injury, and that's that's about it. That's about as much as we actually care about, uh, much as you'd like to have pride in the country and all of that. Eh, it, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, maybe it'll matter next time around when all the stars decide to actually play because they're so, you know, put off by by what just happened. And and then, you know, Jason Tatum and or Jalen Brown end up being involved. And then, sure, we can, you know, worry about that down the road. But for right now, let's just get into Porzingis a little bit. Any concern going into the regular season about that foot? I know that we're expecting 
you know, load management and rest and not going to overdo it and all of that. But I think that's true of his entire time in Boston going forward. That's not just a start of the season thing. So as of right now, are we presuming health when the season begins? Yeah, I mean, I think the hope is that you kind of slowly bring him into training camp and then by the time the season opener on October 25th, he's ready to go. And he's already had about a month off of that foot. You know, plantar fasciitis, I mean, I personally <laughs> have dealt with that off and on for the last, like, 12 years. And it is uh, – you just got to stay off the foot. Like, ice it, stay off of it, or whatever. It's it's not a fun injury to have. Um, you know, I could, uh, could presume being a seven foot three guy and obviously tall guys definitely have a history of foot issues um, that they're just going to be very cautious with that injury. Um I haven't heard anything that this is all, man. It's, wor- it's worse than what it, what it is. Uh, you hope that he comes in healthy because obviously health has always been an issue with Chris Dapsporzingas in his career. Uh, but he did play 65 games last year and actually, you know, sat out the last six. So he could have played 70 if he probably needed to. Um, so that's a good sign. So you just hope that this is just the Celtics being extra careful, especially, uh, what happened with Danilo Gallinari last year where they, they're prized kind of, free agent, you know, one of them, and Brogdon was the other, not free agent, but just kind of an acquisition, yep. you know, gets hurt in, in, in FIBA ball. So I, I'm sure the Celtics are like, okay, we're not having that again. We're not going to have him tear his plantar fasciitis during a, a Latvia game with Montenegro, and and suddenly he's out for six months. So I could understand the Celtics being cautious with that. So that's what, all I've heard right now. I'm concerned because he's already starting off injured, but you hope that this is just something minor. Um, and, and they're key, you know, and, and the, the fact that last year he was relatively healthy. My concern though, Gary, is it's kind of the yeah, but here and we won't know till we know. So I don't want to, you know, just go to the ledge and assume the worst, but historically speaking and personnel, medical, all of it, like it, it, it turns over over time, obviously, but Historically speaking, the Celtics as an organization have a reputation for downplaying injuries, and then they turned out being uh, worse, more severe, simply take longer to return. And and it's I mean, it's guy after guy after guy. There are so many examples of it going over the last, you know, 20 years and as recently as the last couple of years. So this is not something that we just look back to like the new big three era. This has happened more recently with people like Rob Williams and others as well. So does that enter the back of your mind at all to where you say, okay, I mean, he should be okay, but maybe he's not. Of course. And the same thing with Malcolm Brogdon. I mean, we've heard nothing about his, his uh, elbow injury that other than he didn't get surgery, obviously. So you hope that he's coming into camp healthy too, and he's completely healed. Uh, we really haven't heard much about that. So, um, you know, you, I'm sure the Celtics want to be as healthy as they can be, but obviously they don't, they're not going to over, they're not you're like, you're right. You're right. They're going to downplay an injury, but I don't think this is a situation where um, they're downplaying. I think it's probably a situation where he just signed and it probably wasn't worth it for him to play for a lot. Now, you know, maybe does he try to play in the qualifying? Does he try to help Latvia get into the Olympics and I don't know when those qualifying tournaments are. And if it's during the NBA season, absolutely not. So that might be his last shot playing with his home country and trying to get them into the Olympic games. But um, I think the Celtics are just trying to be as safe as they can be. But we never know what's going on. Like, you you can't 
assume anything, Adam, you're right. I mean, you just, as we know, like, I'd be very highly surprised if everybody in camp on October 2nd is completely 100% healthy. There's going to be some type of nagging injury. Um, we'll see how Malcolm, Malcolm's the one I'm concerned about too, because we've heard nothing and he's angry with the team. So I don't think communication between the two sides have been fruitful. So he could just say, listen, man, I'm not, I'm not getting no surgery. I'm just going to let this heal. And y'all just going to have to wait for me to let it heal. You know, it could be somewhat of a protest for being on the trade block or something. I don't know, but uh, you would think that that wouldn't be the case, but we'll see October 2nd, you know, when they, and then or that October 3rd, when that first practice is like, actually who's on the floor. Um, well, let's, let's, let's go right there though, because I, I think that probably, you know, raised an eyebrow for people out there listening. If, if Malcolm Brogdon, I would get it, you know, I'm not blaming him, but if Brogdon's upset with the team, is that, well, I mean, that's, you know, if, he was, if, no, he was not happy. I mean, and that, now was that, you know, he was not happy in July. Is he the same uh, level of unhappiness in September? Uh, we don't know. You know, he hasn't talked all summer. I mean, people have tried to reach him or he's, he hasn't spoken at all all summer. So we don't know. It's just like Marcus Smart. Is Marcus Smart as uh, hurt by the trade to Memphis now as he was in July? No, because now he's kind of into being a Memphis grizzly he sees the future he's excited so uh does time let those things kind of dissipate but yeah like malcolm brogdon was not happy about the deal he or being potentially dealt there was not there's no he was he was pissed i want to get into another nagging injury that nobody's really talked about and only because you mentioned you know the a few of them i was just kind of kind of re-entered my brain because we haven't thought about this for a while because he hasn't played basketball for a while. But Jason Tatum's had a wrist injury, what feels like two postseasons in a row here. And again, we kept hearing he's putting off surgery. He's putting off surgery. He's going to let it heal naturally. Do we have any clarification or clarity on how Jason's doing with an injury that's been nagging him for the past two seasons? I thought he, I think if he needed surgery, he would have had surgery this off season. But the fact that he's working out with like everybody, right? And you see him that, um, he's got to be a hundred percent. I just don't understand why you would enter a season with a partially damaged wrist if it hasn't healed and that you need surgery. I mean, as we, as we remember a couple of years ago, Jalen had his wrist surgery. You know, the wrist is a very sensitive part. You land on it. I mean, obviously every time you hit the floor and you try to brace yourself that there's your wrist, it's your, you know, so that's a delicate injury, right? So if I'm, Jason Tatum, if I need to, I, I, I need to have this procedure. So obviously he hasn't, um, unless he is just absolutely against having surgery. Um, so as a Celtics fans and you hope that this is, that's the case that he is just, he, he is healed naturally and he's ready to go. Um, I, I say I talked to him at the Hall of Fame about a month ago. He seemed excited about the season. Uh, you know, there was no wrap on his, on his wrist or anything when I saw him. So I think he's ready to go. Um, and I'm sure there's something he'll be asked at training camp about like, how's his health? And he'll say he's fine. Um, you know, the, the fact is, is that it, it could be something that could, could cause some discomfort. But the fact that he hasn't had surgery, there's been nothing procedurally done to it. Leads me to believe that it's not that serious of an injury, and he's played through two postseasons 
with it now. So maybe this is just something that he deals with. Um, and, you know, I would assume considering that he's worked out, he's doing all these, you know, uh, deadlifting us 900 pounds and all this stuff that you guys see that the wrist isn't, you know, a factor in him, you know, literally trying to be, you know, Charles Atlas. I mean, it's just yeah, like he's coming up in like four fifty, like it's nothing. He's just up yeah, and, yeah. Like, it's a strong dude. I mean, he's wiry, strong. I was, I was impressed with Jason's strength. Oh man, my my, I watched that video. I'm like, he can add more weight to that. He's doing that pretty easy. I, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, you know, and I think the fact that and the working out with with Pierce and uh, I think you know working out with Jalen. I think he was working out with Kevin Durant. So. I mean, you know, you know, if he's hooping like that and doing those things, I think he's ready to go. I mean, obviously, as we've talked about before, this is a humongous, humongous season for the franchise and a humongous season for Jason. I mean, obviously, he's going to get paid next year, so it's not going to affect his his finances. He's going to be he's going to be maxed, right? It's not it's not any situation where he's not going to be maxed, but for his personal reputation in terms of being a leader, a star, uh, the man. Uh, MVP candidate. This is a a tremendously important season. So I, I I'm sorry. I, I got to go back because I'm I'm just be, like between Tatum's wrist and Brogdon's arm and Porzingis's foot and Malcolm's pissed. Like this is a real you know, back Kaufman. Like our pets' heads are falling off. Edition of Celtics beat right here unintentionally. That was not the goal. But now I'm now I'm sort of stuck on Brogdon, like you you were talking about his his discontent with the organization, not knowing what it is right now versus what it was. Obviously, maybe he's sort of made terms with the fact that it's a business and he's over it and and he's going to get himself ready for the season. But I don't know. Is there? I know we're sitting here in mid September. Is there any chance that he's not on this team? I would think not. I think he's on the team. I mean, I don't know if they're. I don't think they're trying to deal him again. Um, I just think it was it was something where it was either him or Marcus, and you know, it was Marcus. So they need him. That's the thing. It's not like oh, you'd have to deal him for a guard. Yeah, yeah. They don't. It's not like they don't need Malcolm Brogdon. They do. So there's going to have to be conversations, and I'm sure there have been over the summer to just say, hey, man, we're, you know, this is the business. I mean, Malcolm's been traded before. He was traded from Milwaukee to Indiana. He's traded from Indiana to Boston. So this is not something he's not used to. I think he's a total pro. He's 30 years old. But I do think the, 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 you know, I don't know whether he was not informed about the deal, whether, uh, or he, he got learned how he learned, like Marcus revealed that he, you know, was told a week before that he wasn't going to be moved and he was moved and he found out, you know, his fiance found out and he, he was asleep when it happened. It could be in how it was relayed. Um, you know, it, 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 it's an interesting dynamic there, but I think that, you know, Malcolm's a grown man. I think he understands, but that doesn't mean he's not upset about it. Um, I, so I was told, yeah, he was not happy with how things went down. Now, does that increase his level of mistrust in the Celtic organization? But I, I do think you eventually get over it. I mean, this is the, this is, this is the new NBA. There's trade requests, guys playing for teams they never thought they'd be playing for. Trade requests don't go through. You know, things happen. This is this is the new NBA where like like these things just don't happen. These things happen all the time. And, and there's you know, Jalen was mad about being dangled for Durant. Like guys, got to get over the, the feelings. This is the way it is, and it's not like they're not tough or. 
I'm, I'm challenging their 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 ability to deal with adversity. But this is the way it is. Like you're playing for twenty. He's, he's making twenty one million dollars, twenty two million dollars this year. He's playing for a championship caliber team. So I think he'll eventually understand if he doesn't already that hey, this is a big deal. I got to bounce. I got. I got to make this happen. You talked about what a huge year it is coming up, not only for obviously Jason Tatum, but the entire franchise. Gary, in the in the past, you know, I, I see people in the YouTube comment section. I I have been accused, probably rightfully so, of uh, making a uh, too big a thing about Marcus Smart's departure, not giving Derek White, new starting point guard, the uh, the proper credit. And so here are some numbers that will certainly support people. Now, uh, Smart and White. On the court together last year, the team had a plus 12 net rating. Now, smart, no white, even, or, you know, negative 0.2. White, no smart, plus 10. Plus 10 net rating with Derek White on the floor, Marcus Smart not on the floor, neither plus two, so still efficient. So, uh, you know, this would tell you, with smart on the floor, no Derek White, he has, you know, been a, a net negative at least last year. Um, You are someone who, at least a year ago, was still kind of not really a Derek White guy. Now, no, I wasn't. No, he obviously, wasn't. he obviously had a, a very good year this past year. So yeah, stand right now is Derek White. Obviously, he is the new starting point guard for this team. But are you comfortable with that? No, I'm not. Like, and I'm not nothing against Derek. I just think, like, I, I mean, him playing point guard. Like, I think he's probably played flashes in San Antonio, uh, a point, but like championship point guard I don't know that's a big responsibility I think he was very good in his role last year coming off the bench playing that kind of like you know uh supporting cast role but like running the show telling guys where to be on the floor running the offense getting the guys the ball like I just need to see it and I'm not saying he's not capable don't get me wrong I'm not saying oh man this is gonna fail no 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 I I'm just concerned I like I think uh, I'm going to need to see Derek White log serious minutes at point with that combination and how it works. And do they need to get another point guard? It, it, you know, is it going to be Peyton Pritchard, uh, Delano Banton, whoever they're, they're talking about? I, I don't know. Um, but I do think they, that this is uh, someone – it was eye-opening when Missoula said that. But – they know more than me, so I'm sure they're confident that Derek can do it. So I'm not going to like doubt Derek. I, I said I didn't think he had a very, he didn't have a good season coming in, like the half season he spent. I thought he disappeared at times. He didn't play. He didn't play with confidence last year. I thought he had a tremendous season, all defense. Just you know, was just completely comfortable with a full training camp, and 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 his confidence was brimming. I mean, he, I think he's one of those guys that confidence is a big deal to him. Some guys, their confidence never wavers. They're going to take shots. They're going to do – Derek's not one of those guys. Derek needs to have confidence in order to flourish. So you hope that he can deal with adversity, deal with maybe a bad turnover and come back and make a good good pass, uh, make a good play, make a good shot. Um, so I'm – you know, him being the floor leader in a sense, I'm just – I'd like to see that before I'm like, oh, yeah, it's going to work. Um, that's a, it's a little, I thought they would make, you know, Malcolm has been point guard, um, in previous years. Uh, and as much as he was a six man of the year, a lot of people in the analytical folks thought he was terrible in terms of certain situations defensively. 
that he just shot too much or he was not, uh, he didn't make his teammates better. So I thought maybe he would get the opportunity since he had been pointing in Indiana and, and Milwaukee previously. Um, so I just want to see it. I'm not as convinced, like uh, that's not an instant plug and play Derek White at point guard as I think maybe other people are are looking at it because I just haven't seen it. I don't know if you guys have seen him play point extensively. Um, if you want to count the San Antonio days, how much point did he play, um, you know, next to, to, uh, Tyus Jones, um, is Tyus is a, that's, that's one of San Antonio, right? Yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, okay. There's, there's, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Cause there's, there's the brother who just got traded, traded to Washington. Right. Um, and so the Tyus Jones or and other guys, like, I don't, that's a good question. I don't know how much extensively he played. Tyus, Tyus just went to Washington. Sorry, Tyus. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, the younger brother, the, the one is, it's with the Spurs. Um, I don't know how much he played over that. So I, I, I need Trey to see, Jones. huh? Trey Jones. Trey Jones. Exactly. Trey. Trey. Sorry. Trey. Yeah. yeah the, uh, gotta be another, the, better than T guys. So make yeah. It, I gotta get my Jones right. Trey, together. Trey and Tyus. It's Trey Tyus. Jones. Yeah, so I love Tyus. Well, I mean, look, Gary, I think of the three of us, uh, Evan here is the one who is probably most comfortable well, with the idea. Let's, he's, let's, he's on this for a while. let's break down what Gary just said. Cause I think there's a couple of good points in here. First off, let's also admit that. I would not be shocked if they flipped Malcolm and De- uh, and Derek at some point in the season if, if if Malcolm's running better with with that with that group. I have a little more confidence in Derek White just because I, I think last year was a was sort of a revelation. We'll see if he can do it again. Um, but he's he comes from a good system with 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 the Spurs. You know, I, I just think that he's kind of a, he's one of these connector guys that seems to just try and and, and make things work. You're not trying to get in the way too much. You know, you want to let Jason and Jalen kind of dictate most of what happens, but he's always willing to kind of make that extra pass. I, I like him a lot. I love him defensively. Um, that jump shot, we'll see if it sticks. I, I think, you know, him and, uh, and, and coach, uh, who's, was Ben Morrison that spent a lot of time with him and, and working on that jump shot. Uh, but I, I, I will say one thing, one thing that I think Gary brought up is confidence. One of the thing these, things that you don't want your point guard to lack is confidence because the game ebbs and flows, right? There are highs, there are lows, everybody goes on runs. So in that regard, the confidence issue would be one that I think would give me a little bit of pause. But my, my question to Gary is more about maybe the lack of championship point guards in the NBA today. How many true championship-level floor generals are out there? You could argue two of them are on the same team in Golden State with Chris Paul and, and with with Steph Curry, I just don't think there are a lot of guys out there that when I mean Jimmy Butler is one of these guys that can you know dictate a game when it gets tough. LeBron, obviously, that goes without saying. I just don't think there are that many level guys in the NBA anymore. I think it's kind of a everybody's a combo guard now, right? Everybody, no true point guard like kind of died, and true point guards are more like. You know, point forwards now, like you're seeing more of a Luca or more of a LeBron and and a, a James Harden and, and like stuff, guys like that. It's not really just about one guy controlling the flow of the game anymore. So my question to you is, as we look back at this team and try and figure out, do they have a championship level table setter on this team? I just don't think there are many out there, A, and B, if it's one of them, I almost think it's Tatum rather than Derek White. 
Yeah, I'm just afraid of putting more responsibility on Tatum and saying, okay, Jason, be all NBA first team and also run the damn offense too. And just run and walk the ball up the floor and also defend well. And like, that's a lot. Like, I just rather see less on Jason's plate in terms of ball handling than more. Although I think he can be a good point guard or kind of floor leader, maybe not point forward. Um, so I, I'm not as, is highly enthusiastic about like, okay, we'll just make Jason the point forward. Now that might work, you know, but you just want him to be preserved throughout the season and not having the responsibility of running the offense. I mean, the the thing that I look at uh, with Derek is uh, there's a couple things that stand out previously in San Antonio. He played, according to basketball reference, he played point guard his first, like his first year he played 17 games. So you throw that out. The second year, he played point guard. He played 67 games. He started 55, 3.9 assists per game, um, 1.4 turnovers. Now, the the 50 he played he played 49 games before he was traded to Boston, and he averaged six 5.6 assists to 1.8 turnovers. So that's a very good, you know, if I do my math, that's that's more than a three to one assist to turnover ratio. So he averaged nearly six assists. And, and was kind of classified as a shooting guard in his stint in San Antonio before he got to Boston uh, in 21-22. So for those looking for encouragement, that's a to me, that's an encouraging sign that he can – he almost had six assists a game in that stretch. And the year before, uh, he played uh, – let me see here uh, – 3.5. So that – that one, I think he was hurt most of 2021. Um, but 21-22, uh, in that stretch with San Antonio, he averaged nearly six assists a game. So uh, to me, that is a, a very encouraging sign in terms of him being able to distribute the ball. A lot of great stuff with Gary. We'll get right back to him. But, uh, Ev, I mean, football season's here, buddy. I know we're looking ahead to basketball, but I'm looking ahead to this weekend, week two in the NFL. Not to mention, by the way, we got some good college football on Saturday. Absolutely. Let's just get one thing straight. First off, this show is brought to you by FanDuel. Get ready for the NFL season, folks. It's here. We're on the week two. Incredible offers from FanDuel every week. America's number one sports book right now. New customers that can bet five bucks and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed, plus all customers who bet 5 bucks will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. This is the last week this promo is running, folks. So just going to tell you, it's the best deal you're probably going to see. Get in on it now. Nine, now is the best time to join FanDuel. This app's easy to use. You can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. And sometimes you win, Kaufman, sometimes you lose. Last week for me, not the greatest week. Uh, you know, look, it's week one. We don't make a lot of big bets during week one. We just kind of feel out a little bit. And, uh, you know, some of these props came back to bite me a little bit. Some Steelers, uh, <laughs> that was tough. That was real tough if you were betting on the Steelers in that game. That game was over pretty much after the first quarter was done. But I'm looking at a trend, Kaufman. I'm going to bring you in with me. Okay. If you were to parlay the hmm. New England Patriots plus three okay. with the under of 46 and a half, which is a little risky because I think the Dolphins could put up, you know, 10, 
uh, that many points by themselves. They can score 47, no problem. Yeah. But if you were to do that, because somebody on the internet decided to do that for every single game, they came out ahead. But just to tell you, if you were to do that, $10 bet gets you 22.16, which means the odds are plus 221 for that. Pretty mm-hmm. juicy odds there. But I, I, I'm a big guy in terms of trying to find the right parlays, trying to find the right you know, player props to kind of manipulate. And I'm I'm in a lot of the unders. I think taking the under first couple of weeks. Well, can I tell you, unders unders went 12 and four in week one. So, folks, you're hearing it here. Hang on the unders for a little bit longer. Right, I'm in a week two, maybe even week three as we adjust our lines correctly. So just be aware of that if you're gambling on FanDuel. I want to think about that under. I know it's not the most fun thing in the world, but think about it. So visit FanDuel.com slash boss and kick off the NFL season with us and an offer you do not want to miss. That's FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. 21 plus in present in Massachusetts. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Hope is here. GamblingLineMA.org or call 800-327-5054-247 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 100-GAM-1234. Yeah, NFL Sunday ticket offer ends 9-18-23. No refunds. Terms and embargoes apply. $100 off NFL Sunday ticket, not YouTube TV. YouTube TV base plan required to watch YouTube TV. Redemption requires a Google account and current form of payment. Commercial use excluded. Subscription renews. Cancel anytime. All right. Let's get back to Gary. I think partially, at least the thing we're leaving out of this conversation, too, in terms of the who's going to start, could Malcolm jump in, replace Derek? And, and obviously that is a possibility, but I think at least out of the shoot they 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 want this in part because they want malcolm brogdon to be the offense off the bench leading that unit which Derek white is not reliably going to be that guy part of why in addition to obviously the defensive ability he slides in so well with the starting group you're not looking to him for points you're looking for him to facilitate now we're presuming malcolm brogdon's health we're presuming that he still has a three-point shot which last year was really an aberration as uh compared to you know his his career so i don't know what that's going to look like but if you're looking for someone to reliably give you 15 points off the bench you are turning to malcolm brockton that's where you want him agree yeah i mean i think he i think he can distribute better i think he can defend better um but i thought he was a kind of a spark plug off the bench and now the question is with uh you know other guys there you know Svee and Sam Hauser with another year do you need Malcolm to be uh, that primary score off the bench or can he get some help um cuz the bench will be interesting to see how that how that, that all that shakes out with Peyton Pritchard now uh, apparently going to play a bigger role um does Al come off the bench at times or whatever is it just going to be Al and and Robert Williams along with Jason and Jalen and Derek White um so it, it'll be interesting to see what this team does and then also I mean, there's an open roster spot. I don't think they're going to be eager to fill it because there's going to be probably some real talented guys available as training camp approaches and guys get waived, um, especially places like Oklahoma City, which are like have a bunch of guys that, that are good NBA players are probably not going to make the team. So I, I do think they need another – another. I do think they need another play. They need a third big unless you're going to – unless you really have faith in Luke Cornett or you bring back Blake Griffin, and I don't think – 
Missoula had particular confidence in Griffin toward the second half of last season. So um, with Malcolm, I, I think that he, I think he can do more, even though he won six man a year. I think he can do more. I think he, I think he's capable of doing more. The question is what they ask him to do. Um, but, you know, I think Derek will fit into whatever role that you give him. I, I'm confident in that. I think he'll try his ass off to be a good point guard or a good point forward or however you classify him. You know, I don't think he's going to be trying to do too much. The question is how will, how well will it work? How much time? Remember, we all, I mean, remember you dope a couple of years ago, Marcus Smart's our point guard. We're like, Hey, what? You know, when Kimba was gone, you know, after Kimba left and it was, and it worked and then it was effective. Not in certain games, uh, you know, it wasn't effective, but, uh, it, it got them to the finals and it got to the Eastern Conference finals. So I think it's probably going to be time. Uh, it's going to need time for it to work. And I'm sure the Celtics will give Derek plenty of time. You know, I wasn't really planning to talk about Blake Griffin today, but what you just said flies in the face of some of the reporting that's been out there, which is the indication that the Celtics want him back and he's not so sure he wants to come back, meaning, you know, he may want to retire. He may want to play closer to his family out West. Uh, but what you just said is, is maybe Joe Missoula doesn't necessarily want him on the back end of the bench, which... Uh, well, which... I, I mean, he didn't play, he didn't have a real pivotal role in the second half of the season. I mean, you know, remember, you know, Noah Vonley made the team out of camp, and that didn't work because Noah couldn't stay out of foul trouble, so they waived him, and then Blake had his his moments and, and stuff, but, you know, they used Cornette a lot. I mean, they had a third big, and they needed a third big, and it was like kind of Cornette, Um but this time, I think they even need a third big even more. Like Robert Williams is coming off. You know, we are you going to expect him to play seventy games? No. Um, and now Horford's thirty-seven. So who's the third center? This Cornell. You know, he's on a non-guaranteed deal. So yeah, I do think they need an effective third center. Like they need a guy, and the guys that are out there are not attractive. You know, I know like Dwayne Dedman and. Uh, you know, Bismack Biombo. I think the Kings was, I saw that are waiting Nerlens Noel, like, you know, to give a shot to, because they just signed JaVale McGee. Um, so is, I think they need one of those. I, I would go after Noel, not for, you know, 30 minutes a game, obviously, but just as that security blanket as a third big who can play defense. Um, and be, you know, come home, you know, he's a Boston guy, be the end of the bench guy. That's someone I think they should seriously consider. Because I just don't. Th- I think center is a, a a point in a position of concern with the health of Robert Williams and the age of Al Horford. And then you know, I just thought um, I think they would want Blake back as a as a leader, but I don't know how much they feel like he's productive on the floor. Like, will they will he will he carve out a twelve minute a game role and really flourish? I thought he had stretches where he was okay and he played as best he could. But obviously, as we know, like um, physically, he's he's not nearly what he once was, and there's certain limitations there. After Gary said 37 for Al Horford, and I knew like I knew that he was in his 30s, and yet the way we all talk about him, you would think he's you know 47 years old, not 37. And so it's that that was it was it, it caught me. It was jarring for a second. I had to I had to look it up to double check. Well, I think it's because we have 39-year-old Aaron Rodgers stuck in our head currently, and that's still, you know. Uh, we won't be seeing him for a little while. Well, so. the point mm-hmm. being is, like, you know, one one bad 
turn somewhere and there, and there he goes, you know, like it's obviously just more likely. I mean, Al has been, I mean, I think the Celtics did a great job last year of managing the guys that are health concerns. Um, and they're going to have to do it again and just see if just hope, hope for the best here. But that's everybody's doing that. You know, everybody's trying to make sure they get to the season healthy. It's hard sports. That's why sports are hard. That's why, you know, sometimes these, these golden state runs when they just have everybody healthy at the end of the year, like, does it matter because they're all healthy and you're screwed because they're just way better than you. So well, it's just one well, of those things. Let's talk about that, Gary, because that's, that is the news this week in the NBA. They are replacing the uh, original PRP, like the injection, the player resting policy that was instituted in 2017. We have a new, uh, now friendlier, if you will, uh, at least in name, but more stringent in practice. Uh, PPP, the triple P, which is the player participation policy, which says that if you are a star and that is defined by if you have been an all star or part of an all NBA team in the last three seasons, you are a quote unquote star. A team cannot have more than two or more than one, I should say, star cannot have multiple stars rest in a given game uh, that is either nationally televised or is part of. Uh, the in-season tournament or a playoff game, obviously not that stars with rest in a playoff game, but, but basically Adam Silver is, is now, you know, threatening fines to make sure that uh, not only, you know, as he tries to clean up, uh, you know, the, the tanking issue they've been working on for years, he wants to make sure that there's less talk about players not being present, you know, for, as Jason Tatum would say, that random Monday night game in Charlotte, when fans pay all this money to, come out and see their favorite players and and half the team is rested there was an example uh of uh who was it with golden state steph curry clay thompson draymond green they all played in a home the game, loss in, the game in cleveland right the cleveland yeah. was the next day uh, and they in and curry didn't play Utah. two nights later all three of them sat out uh and now they would be likely investigated and fined according to this uh espn article what do you think of these new rules that have been put in there are a whole lot more details to it if anyone wants to read the articles obviously and uh do you think the celtics given that it's very rare quite frankly that unless they're hurt jason tatum and jalen brown even both miss games at the same time uh are the celtics a team that actually benefits from this um well, they're obviously they're one of the team with two stars, two all stars on two players in this list. So, uh, but I think at this point, both those guys are in their prime. So I don't think rest is a real possibility unless they're coming off injuries. Um, and then you're also talking about national TV games too. Like I don't, I've never seen Jason and Jalen be sitting out national TV games. Um, you know, oh, I'm frozen. Hold on. Sorry, we still hear you at least. You still hear me? Okay. I don't think um, – yeah, I'm not sure what's going on. I don't think that they'll sit out national TV games um, or that that was ever a possibility before. I don't think this affects the Celtics as much. Um, and in terms of um, the league, I just think this is the this is, this is is the NBA's – like – how I'll put this. The NBA's just like, okay, we've had enough – on this situation, you know, um, and I, I, I agree with it. It's, it's sad that it had to get this far, but, and then, you know, there, there's players blaming the teams and saying the teams are the ones that are shutting us down. It's team doctors. Most of us guys want to really play. So if that's the case, then it shouldn't be a problem, you know, but what happens in LA and teams, the Clippers and the Lakers and guys are aging, you know, uh, when you have a, the, you know, you're playing Wednesday night 
and then you got the TNT game uh, Thursday night. You know, are you just going to are you going to take the Wednesday night game off? And if you rest multiple guys, and that if you don't have injuries, is the NBA going to look into it? So it's a lot to unpack, and it'll be interesting to see the enforcement of it. Where the league actually has doctors calling the teams and going, okay, why did LeBron and AD miss that Wednesday night home game against Orlando? Uh, you know, because they're getting ready for the Thursday night TNT game at Golden State. Like, it's going to be a, a lot to unpack, but I, I think that it's probably something that was necessary. You do look very stoic right now. Yeah, I know. You're looking. Yeah, like- I, I don't know what's going on. I can literally see you guys. I don't know if it's my video <laughs> cam. Hold on. All right. Well, it's quite all right. Let's see if this works. He's trying to rejoin here. Let's see if this works. I don't know. I just see a blank screen now. Okay, it's get, it's live podcasting <laughs> as good as it gets, folks. This is as good yeah, as it I like gets. it. I I will say though, like I don't. The one thing I do like about Tatum and Brown, and they unless one of them's hurt, they usually play as yeah. many games as they possibly can. I mean, Tatum has been a, you know Iron Man. I'm knocking on wood as I speak. Tatum has been pretty durable throughout his his career and has played through some stuff. And again, his quote, I, I like that. I like the fact that he likes playing. I like I like the fact that he thinks about that stuff. Jalen, again, he's had some nagging injuries where he cuts his hand on a vase and like has to miss time. But you know, Jalen's been pretty healthy throughout his entire career for the most part. I know he's had some unfortunate like banged up injuries. I know he missed the playoffs one year, and that was that was tough. But you know, again, these are two guys that generally play. A lot yeah. of games. And I think it, again, it's beneficial to them that they're in their prime right now as they introduce this rule. And I, as Gary said, I'm curious to how they enforce it. You know, I'm not quite sure how this is going to go. Um, I mean, I, I highly doubt that whatever LeBron decides to do, they're going to look too much into what LeBron does. I think LeBron, you know, if he wants to take a game off, I think they'll be okay. But I, you know, it's the rest of the, it, I think it's just mainly like a Clippers thing, you know, like, you, Hey, you know, the Clippers, like you guys just, it's maybe maybe just a direct shot at Kawhi. Like Kawhi, you can't be doing this like all the time. Like you play forty games a year. This isn't. This is this is not beneficial to us. They do have you know you have all these people spending all this money to come out and see stars. Like as much as we want to you know try and tiptoe around this, this league is very star driven. So you know people pay through the nose to go see Nikola and Jokic plays all the time. You know Doncic yeah. plays all the time. You don't have to worry about the younger guys. It's like we have this interesting. You know, discrepancy between like these old aging out stars and the young crew coming up. There's a lot of talent coming up and there's a lot of talent coming down. There's like this middle ground that is like kind of a void, like the, the void that Jimmy Butler occupies is like a 32, 31 year old, you know, veteran that is a superstar. But there's a ton of the young guys that like at 26 and under, you can name like 25 guys off the top of your head that are all awesome and that you want to, you can't wait to see when they're 30. Like I can't wait. Like Devin Booker and Jason Tatum and Luka Doncic and and all these guys when they're thirty years old they're gonna it's just gonna be it, the talentless thing's gonna be ridiculous it's gonna be amazing so you know we'll see how this goes to start and they'll tweak it probably as we go because they're a smart league but you know I think it's more of a direct shot of like hey Kawhi figure your figure your stuff out let's get let's get yeah. you on the floor stop resting stop you know I just think the rest thing and like Silver said it's an eighty two game season. They've stretched the season out. They've eliminated four games in five nights. They've done now this rest during this playing tournament for the teams who aren't in it. Um, there's a longer all-star break. Remember, I mean, in the old days, the, 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 they used to come back and play Tuesday after the all-star game. Now they're 
I think a couple of teams are playing Thursday and most are coming back and playing Friday. Like there's been all types of adjustments to the schedule. And I think what the, the what Silver has seen is it's been no reduction in load management. Like, so he's saying to himself, well, as much as we've done all these things to tweak the schedule to make it easier, guys are not playing more. And, you know, and guys are not getting hurt less because they're not playing more. The injuries are just as prevalent in the league with guys playing 68 games a year as they were when they were playing 78 or guys playing 58 as opposed to, you know, 73 or 74. I think that we all expect that there's going to be guys, you know, your standard durable NBA player is going to play 75, 74 games. So he's good. Whatever reason, nagging injuries, whatever, you know, sit illness, whatever, they're going to miss eight to 10 games, like um, eight, maybe. Right. Um, you want your, all your star players in the seventies, like Kawhi played 52 games. And I think Paul George played 56. Like that's, you don't want guys. That's why. And then they, you know, the encouragement for the awards, like we're not giving awards to guys that are playing 58 games anymore. We're not doing that. You don't get, you don't get an award for playing two thirds of the games. And so I think the NBA is tired of it. The owners are tired. And now, you know, the players, as I said before, the players are saying, well, it's the team doctor that are telling us the rest. Like we don't want like, well, we'll see. Okay. Then now you get to play. Um, now, how will the production be? How many minutes will, will Ty Lu play, you know, Kawhi eight minutes in a game and go, oh, he played. So, you know, we showed you. Okay. He played. What are you going to do now? And now you're going to tell me that he's got to play 40 minutes. Like players are going to circumvent the system and teams, but you're going to see Kawhi in uniform and you're going to see him play time. Now the question, as I said, the question is how much time, um, you know, how much, how worth it, you know, how, how worth it is this going to be? Is this going to be effective? I don't think any of us know. Um, I do think it's good for the league that obviously the players play on national TV. You're tired of seeing guys sit out, guys rest. You're tired of seeing guys and literally in football jersey at the end of the bench hanging out. You're tired of seeing Anthony Davis chilling like, you know, because now I think it's someone I saw this mention, like it's like sort of cool to be injured. But it's cool to be at the end of the bench in some cool ass gear. Just yeah, you know, all right, guys, you know, just like that's just that was that's 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 a new like that's embarrassing, dude. Yeah. You're hurt. Like Ben Don't Simmons be the, wearing like different outfits to all the Celtics playoff games, and he's yeah, just, like Ben Simmons, like it's the Ben Simmons or guys wearing fucking throw. Excuse my language, throwback jerseys <laughs> or whatever. It's like stop it. You're hurt. Yeah, you know now it's. It used to be in the old days where guys were hurt, like their arm was in a sling or they had a boot on the, like, I was like, okay, that dude's really hurt. Look at him. Now, <laughs> guys are jumping up and down and, and, and doing freaking moonwalks when they, when they're, when they're <laughs> a freaking alley-oop dunk. But, oh, I got plantar fasciitis or I got knee soreness. Like, you know, it's a joke. So yeah, this need that, this needed to happen. There's certain things that needed to happen. It just got, like, I remember the dress code and people are, like, oh, it's racist. Like when, when I think it was Col- when Kobe wore like a Donovan Mitchell, sorry, Donovan Mitchell, Donovan McNabb, sorry. There you go. Jersey at the end of the bench, the league was like, okay, Kobe's involved now. Like we got one of our guys and he's wearing throwbacks at the end of the bench or whatever. Like this is, has to stop. There's got to be a dress code. Like 
the players are going to push the push to to the limit until the league does something. This is one of those cases, and I just think, you know, it's not cool to be hurt anymore. It's not cool to be Anthony Davis with the shades on. Yeah, man, you know, I'd probably be out there if I could, but. You know, I'd be dumb. I, you know, just wait. Hey, man, I'd be ready for the playoffs. You know, hey, way to go, Bron. Way to go. Like, you know, I don't blame Bron. I think LeBron has legitimate injuries. I just think LeBron isn't as durable as he used to be. I mean, I don't blame Bron as much as I blame like Anthony Davis and some of these oh, guys who just who just feel like. I mean, I just remember Kyrie telling me like, "Man, I ain't play, I ain't no eighty-two game year year dude." Like, this ain't me. And I think a lot of guys are good with that. Like I, you know, if you, if I give y'all 65, hey man, I'd put in a hard day's work. I'm good. And it's just like a lot of guys do believe that. Now there's other guys with Jason Tatum's philosophy of like, you know, what if like that's a Jordan thing? Like what if somebody has never seen me play in Charlotte? Some kid, you know, his dad worked hard to get two tickets and he wants to see Tatum me play. Like I'm a, that's the way we all should believe and they all should believe, but. I just think the players got to the point where it's like, it's like anything else. If, you know, if, if, if your job is like, you can do 75% of the work you do now and get the same money. What, how many of us are going to be like, nah, man, I'm doing 110. Like, thanks. Thanks. I'm going to do 110%. Okay. Well, you get the same doing 75. It's like people are going to do 75. They're going to miss games. There seems to be a kind of a devaluing of the regular season, especially when Miami slices through the Eastern Conference after barely making the playoffs, or the Lakers at the seventh seed make it to the Western Conference Finals. There's a devaluing of the regular season, and then you know, and then you know, I feel I feel bad for cities like Charlotte, Minnesota, and Orlando because those are the games everybody picks as like games that you don't want to play. It's Minnesota on Tuesday, like no one says the Lakers, right? You, you don't want to play against the Lakers. You want to play against the Heat. You want to play against the Knicks. You want to play at the Garden. None of these dudes are load managing at the Garden. They're load managing in Brooklyn because that's kind of not as important as a back to back or they're load managing in Toronto. You know, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how this all, we'll see how this all goes. We'll see what they do with, what, 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 what they do with Al Horford. You know, are they going to come create? Remember last year? I mean, are they going to create a back injury? Because he had to remember the slow, so lower, sore lower back. Yeah. Is that going to fly? Is the NBA going to be like, well, he's healthy? You know, what about the age situation now? Um, you know, and then there's no shutting players down anymore. So Lillard and Beal and all these guys who were rested last year are going to be on the floor. You're going to be throwing these guys on the floor in 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 situations where their team does not want them to play because they want to tank. So no more tanking. So this is a fascinating role. I think it was necessary, but you know, it, it's sad it had to get to this point. You know, Silver's gonna have to clean up some of the background stuff. You know, no more flying coach and staying in these dingy motels and twenty five dollar a day meal money. The players have it tough, but you know, they're <laughs> they're gonna find a way. I'm just gonna miss Gallinari at the end of the bench. He was throwing up like he well, was. You just like those nice like, Italian suits. My God, he was really. And the only one that was weird, he wore like some cowboy stuff. I think it, at some point in the Texas Triangle down there, I think he was wearing like a he had cowboy boots and like a flannel shirt and like whatever jeans, the big big ass belt buckle. But at, most of the time, Gallo was. I mean, he was ready. Oh, he was for the nice run, and dressed. He was. No, he good. Looked- he looked like the NBA in the nineties, man. He looked like that's, you know, that's what you did. You wore a suit. I mean, 
when I first started covering the league, got like the the problem that is a problem. It's something that's generational. Guys followed what the star players did. Yeah. It was Jordan's league. Jordan wore thousand dollar suits to every game. So what did the play, young guys do? They wore thousand dollar or they wore you know four hundred dollar suits. They couldn't afford the the five thousands dollar suits or the two thousand dollar suits that Jordan was wearing. Players are wearing uh, suits to every game. You know that's what because Jordan was the model of the league. And he wore suits to every game. So that's what the, the dress code was. I remember Ray Allen, young Ray Allen guys were wearing suits to games as they're, you know, now you see the walk up in the tunnel and guys are wearing, you know, the James Harden stuff. And the guys are looking like crisscross. That's a reference of for your time. Like, you know, Chris, <laughs> no, no, it's not. Guys are looking like crisscross and, no, I mean the worst. Buster Rhymes and and you just know. they're looking they're looking like they're looking ridiculous, but back in the day suits were the thing. And then Iverson, who changed the league culturally on his own, came into the league, and then it became a more casual league. And now you got guys who do everything except not as like the suit thing with Gallo was a throwback because not a lot of guys wear suits. Yeah. Like, they wear. Sweatsuits. They wear their comp. They're you know because everything now is being chill. Like we like guys don't wear like Ray was probably the last Celtic that would wear suits. Not to, you know like Paul had suits and KG and they all had suits. But like every game it was a it was or like more more often just like this is what I wear to work. Yeah, uh, I mean your, your extremes are you got Gallo on one side, you got Tyler Hero dressing like Run DMC on the other. Yeah, I mean it's just it's yeah. crazy how it's changed, and the league has kind of lightened up on it. But some of the stuff is like you know, I mean obviously it's fashion faux pas. Some of the stuff Westbrook wears or Dwayne Wade used to wear it was like oh boy, um, but you know that the league is, is I just I just think. I, mean, I had a conversation a few years ago with Vince Carter about this, this kind of how like the Jordan era had such an impact. And then Iverson came in and then there was a more casual league. And I just think now with um, the injuries, I just think, and, and you know, we can it probably open up a whole nother conversation, but like the Isaiah Thomas thing, the hip injury, that, uh, I mean, I, you know, he, he took the, he was the one that started, that started load management, but guys look at that and they still look at that and go, that dude lost a hundred million dollars over playing, being playing through playing through injury, right? He lost a hundred million dollars. I mean, he's still trying to get back into the league, and I think Isaiah now is thirty four. Like, so it, it, it might be over for him. I hope it isn't. I'd love to see him play for an NBA team. I, we all love Isaiah, one of the funnest guys I've ever covered. Um, but, you know, people, players look at that and said, the teams don't care about us, so we got to care about us. And uh, so I, I kind of understand why the, the 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 beginning of load management, guys wanted wanted their papers. They didn't want to ruin their careers. Um, but it, it, now it, I think what the league found was that taking time off is not reducing injury. Well, like I said, guys, won't go an hour. So yeah. uh, here we are. <laughs> we go 45, 50. It's always good when Gary Washburn's here. We we go down, you know, different paths we weren't even expecting. We have, you know, 
long but fun intellectual conversations about things and uh and i don't want the show to end so we keep going uh gary thanks so much for being here as always we'll definitely have you back real soon before the season gets going and uh hopefully you can fight off boredom for just a little bit longer yeah a couple more weeks i'll be i'll be i'll be okay don't worry don't worry about me i'm not no low management for me i'll be ready to go uh media day I, I, i'm putting in my full 82 you're going to be sitting there in mid-November going, man, I could use a summer vacation. Yeah, time. like, yeah, we're, we're, you know, somewhere in Orlando or somewhere in Charlotte or Minnesota, like, oh, man, get me out of here. No, Eric, totally is, uh, part of the CLNS family, one of the hosts of the A-List podcast. Make sure you check that out there as well. Meant to mention that earlier. Thank you for being here with us. We'll do it again next week. For Gary, for Evan, I'm Adam. We'll talk to you again soon.